Welcome to the Poetry Gram, a podcast for poetry lovers that offers news, views and prompts to use in your writing. I'm your host, novelist and poet Helen Cox. You can find your free creative writing starter library, which includes a poetry polishing master plan and a publishing master plan at helencoxbooks.com. And here's the show. Hello poetry lovers and welcome to episode 4 of the Poetry Gram podcast. As usual I'm going to start with a quick personal update on my writing before launching into the poetry news and our big topic for today which is how to keep a poetry journal. More on that in a little bit. In terms of my writing the last month has been taken up with working on the suggested edits my publisher sent through on my third novel. And that has taken me pretty much the entirety of February, alongside teaching my classes at City Lit. I'm about halfway through writing novel four and finishing it in time for my publisher deadline will probably take the rest of March and most of April. That said, I have found time here and there to sit down with my poetry journal and put together a few ideas. I'm currently working on my second pamphlet in the background of uh, all my other commitments (laughs) and we'll keep you updated on what's going on with that as and when it's ready. Another thing that I'd like to share with you is that I've been looking into options for creating a sister publication to the Poetry Ground podcast. Given that we've had such great feedback so far it seems that there is an appetite for such publication. I'm really excited about it but as yet the idea is very much in the early stages so Uh, there'll be a little bit more about that in next month's podcast and also thereafter. As usual, I'd like to give a shout out to the patrons who support this show before we get into the main topic of the day. Your support helps me manage the costs of creating this podcast and this month it's meant that I've been able to invest in a USB microphone. Uh, So with that, alongside the fact that I'm broadcasting from Yorkshire today, where the air is decidedly cleaner than it is in London, I hope you're all experiencing higher quality sound. And after that revelation, it is time to jump into this month's Poetry News Blast. According to reports in The Independent, an increasing number of poets in the UK are taking issue with the position of Poet Laureate. Now, this is a position that exists in numerous countries and dates back hundreds of years. Francesco Petrarca, who popularised the Italian sonnet in the 1300s, was a Poet Laureate. It is a state-appointed position and the poet in question usually receives an honorarium and in return is expected to write poetry for special occasions in that nation. Western readers are most likely familiar with the current UK and US laureates, that's Carol Ann Duffy in the UK and Tracy K. Smith in the US, but many countries including Iran, New Zealand and Nigeria have poets holding this post. In the UK, however, it is causing some controversy in large part due to the fact that the Poet Laureate is selected by the monarch. 
poet Benjamin Zephaniah has made it clear that he would not accept such a position, just as he turned down his OBE, because for him it had connotations of the empire and slavery. Poet John Agard also spoke out about the issue. The Queen makes her selection based on recommendations from the Prime Minister, and from Agard's comments it is clear he believes that politicians and poets should not have a say over each other's business. The opposition to the post is not new, however. In 2009, Wendy Cope, writing for The Guardian, explained that the position essentially made fools out of poets by forcing them to write poetry that didn't come to them naturally. It only existed by obligation rather than inspiration. In this article, Cope called for the abolition of the post, but ten years on, it is still in place. Amongst the voices opposing the position of Poet Laureate, there is a common theme, and that is the feeling that poetry is not something to be institutionalised, that, that through this process something important is lost. Perhaps the raw gut outpouring that many of us have come to respect in the genre. Many people feel that poetry written under contract does not come from a desire for connection or deeper understanding, but from the position of fulfilling a duty. Still, one has to consider the fact that the role is a prestigious one, and most poets who are offered such a position are not in a position to turn it down, even if it does prolong a tradition some of us might feel is outdated or even oppressive. It's not just about the money that is offered as part of the role, but the potential future increase of earnings and respect a poet can expect once they've been named Poet Laureate. It is a lifetime guarantee of publication, and likely significant earnings. And so few poets get paid for their craft. It's understandable that some still take the carrot when it is offered. Today's topic is about keeping a poetry journal. I have been journaling for about 20 years now and have kept a separate poetry journal for almost three years. I have the privilege of teaching other adults how to explore their creativity through journaling at City Lit and even conducted research into the benefits of keeping a journal when I studied for my psychology degree. Before I get into my findings, however, and offer some tips on how to create your own poetry journal, let's hear some views from our listeners. The first listener you'll hear from is Callum Schofield from Bristol. I use my poetry journal to keep track of critical feedback on each poem I write. It takes a few drafts before I'm ready to show it to anyone. But once I am, I ask them to write on a piece of paper I hand to them so I can put it in my journal and add my own notes to their notes. 
it ends up looking like a marginalia by the time a poem has been fully critiqued. I get feedback from a range of different people, and what I'm looking for is a consensus on a particular point. Is there something that's all or most of my readers pinpointed as a bit of a sticking point? My journal helps me keep track of those points the readers agree on. Those are most likely to be the areas where I need to do something, change or remove an image or rethink the form. Because I write so much and have a few readers now, I'd find it very difficult to keep all the information in my head. And that's where my journal is so useful to my craft. It helps me map the evolution of my poems. Hello everyone, my name is Julie Rigaray. I started a poetry journal three years ago and I've divided it into several sections. So achievements, critical analysis, reflections on my writing and my current poetry pamphlet projects. So in my achievements section, I list the names of the publications in which my poems have appeared, the country, which poems have been accepted, if I've been paid or not for it the competitions I've won or been shortlisted and longlisted for, the readings and interviews I've done. It's just a way to track down my progress, basically. I also create statistics because sometimes at first sight we think we didn't have a good year, which happens with me in 2018. I thought so, and I realized that I had been shortlisted for more competitions than in 2017, and that I had more or less the same results in terms of poems published than in 2017, but by doing 40% less submissions. So keeping a journal is a good way to avoid being too harsh on yourself. And also when you've been, you're a little bit depressed because you've received several rejections, it's a good way to cheer yourself up by just having a look at uh, that section of your journal. So I would really recommend it. I also analyze the poems and collections I admire in my journal, both classics and contemporary. I force myself to summarize what I like about them in two or three lines, to comment on their strengths and weaknesses. Um, I also do the same with the poems and collections I don't like. And actually, I think it's even more constructive to reflect on how you would have tackled the subject differently or changed the line breaks. It's really a good way to progress as a poet, to know what you like and above all what you don't like. I also try to reflect on my own creative practice with my journal. The process is a little bit like a poetic psychoanalysis. We're not aware of recurrent themes in our writing or why we write about them. So I try to do some creative writing exercise to be aware of all those things, like writing blurbs to see how I would sell my pamphlet to publishers. I try to spot writing habits I should change to challenge myself. I also made a list of New Year writing resolutions and goals to achieve in 2019. For my poetry pamphlets, I write down the feedback I received during uh, workshops with other poets. Um, I try to reflect on how I should organize the, po the pamphlets. Uh, to compare, I compare it with other poetry pamphlets which have been really successful on the market. So I would really encourage poets to keep a journal, to stay motivated, to put some distance between their writing and the poetry market and to analyse what is going on in the poetry scene and to be part of the poetry community, of course.
Tommy Rames from New Jersey says, "My poetry journal is a place where I can be raw and authentic. It's a place for the first drafts that the world will never see. There's a lot of pressure to be a polished poet on social media these days, but for me, the best work gets done in my journal, where I can write something that is tired or cliche, and then come back to it and make it better. Say what I really want to say. My journal frees me in a way because I don't have to be perfect when I write in there. It's a space for working things out about myself and my work." It's not neat and it's not pretty, but each draft and rewrite is a step closer to completing a poem I want to share with the world. Sometimes I have the same four lines written over and over again in there because I'm trying to figure out how to change them for the better, and eventually something clicks. My journal is the place where I learn and let myself be an amateur. Such varied and fascinating views from people who listen to the show on both sides of the Atlantic. Thank you so much to those people who wrote in. Now, as mentioned before, journaling is something I've been interested in for a very long time. Back in two thousand one, before the current popularity around mindfulness really kicked in, I completed a degree in psychology at the University of Teesside. And for my dissertation, I explored the psychological health benefits of creative writing. The experiments I conducted at the time, inspired by the work of a psychologist named Penbacher, who has also explored this topic at length, indicated that writing about anything at all, from your favourite football team to a cake that you ate last week, has a positive impact on your psychological health. These positive effects deepen if you write about your personal thoughts and feelings. And explore those on the page. Given that so many people who write poetry use their personal thoughts and feelings as a source of inspiration, this means that writing poetry on a regular basis, regardless of how high a quality you perceive it to be, is likely to improve your psychological health. How is this possible? I hear you cry. Well, it has a lot to do with the act of disclosure. When people are experiencing personal difficulties. We'll often recommend that they see a counsellor, and to be clear, I wouldn't recommend skipping that step just because you're keeping a poetry journal or any other kind of journal. It's important to reach out when we need support. But one of the benefits of speaking to a counsellor or any other professional is that we get to disclose things in confidence that ordinarily we do not feel able to disclose. We get to release the genie from the bottle, and once it's out, it can no longer work its mischief on us on the inside. Or at least not with the same level of potency. For many people, their journal or their notebook serves as a place where they can write anything they choose without any consequences. This might be a terrible first draft, or it might be their darkest secret. It might be both, and the blank page won't judge or interrupt. So it's a place to express yourself freely. In addition to the psychological health benefits of keeping a journal, it can also, as we heard from listeners, help with the development of your craft. And each poet will use their journal in a slightly different way, and for slightly different reasons. I can, however, offer some helpful tips on setting up a poetry journal after the experience of keeping one for a few years now. Let's start with 
the logistics. Depending on how you are planning to use your poetry journal, it's important to think about the portability of the journal you carry around. Some more tech-minded writers might want to keep a closed blog or use a Word document on their laptop as a poetry journal. For those of us doing it old school and keeping a notebook, however, make sure you choose a notebook that will fit easily either into your coat pocket or into whatever bag you carry around with you. You can guarantee if you don't do this (laughs) that one day you will decide to leave your poetry journal behind and that will be the day when inspiration strikes like it never has before (laughs) and you end up having to try and half remember the poem when you get back home. Can you tell that I'm speaking from personal experience? (laughs) The other thing to consider when you're keeping a poetry journal is how public you're going to make your journal. Now, I'm just going to say here that there are some people, some very famous people, who don't advocate the keeping of a writer's notebook in any capacity. Um, Stephen King once commented that good ideas hang around and they don't need to be committed to a writer's notebook to be remembered. What we have to, although Stephen King is certainly a good person to go to if you're interested in writing advice, and I do recommend his book on writing to all the students that I work with um, at City Lit because it's a really excellent guide, uh, especially for people starting out. Um, What we have to remember, though, is that everybody's mind works slightly differently and every writer's approach is different. Uh, For my part, I might not remember a brilliant idea I had last week because so much has usually happened between now and then. (laughs) Still, I can't deny that my journal contains a lot of unpolished writing. And when you're keeping a journal, you might want to decide that you're not going to show it to anyone if you don't feel comfortable with people seeing your raw first drafts. I'm quite used to sharing these with my students as I show them pages from my journal complete with mistakes and crossings out alongside a finished, polished piece so they know there's a journey with each piece of writing. If you think that letting others see inside your journal is going to make your writing less honest, however, you should perhaps consider keeping it to yourself. The other big decision to make when it comes to journaling is how often are you going to write there? If you're a new writer or a writer who is still establishing their discipline, you might want to make a point of sitting down with your journal every Sunday evening or insert other convenient time here for 10 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever you can spare to have a go at composition. It is highly likely, however, if you make space for it in your journal, that you will bring out your journal on a daily basis to make notes on an image that has come to you, something that you've heard or seen that's inspired you, or messages you'd like to explore in your writing. As I'm an established writer with a long discipline of writing something every day, regardless of how busy I am with other things, I give myself the freedom to write in my journal whenever I feel like it, because I know that I'll feel like it on a regular basis. (laughs) If you feel like you might not feel like it quite so often, however, it will probably serve you better to set either a weekly word count or time limit to ensure you work on your craft on a regular basis. 
And it's really important if writing is something that you want to pursue, that you give yourself that time and don't feel guilty about it. I understand that we've all got a lot of things going on, but one of the biggest challenges um, as a writer (laughs) is to make space and time for it in your life and feel like that is legitimate because you are pursuing a craft at the end of the day. Once you've made these big decisions around discipline and what you're going to write on and whether you're going to show people, um, it's then a matter of thinking about what elements of your craft you want to develop. We've already heard from some listeners who used to keep uh, track of their submissions in their journal, um, people who critique poems they've read, uh, catalogue raw and polished drafts and keep track of critical feedback. You might also want to use your journal to make notes on places you visit or people you meet who might inspire poetry. Uh, List interesting headlines or overheard phrases that spark inspiration and make you want to write. And the thing to do with your journal if you want to look at several different things is maybe divide your journal into different sections. And you could do this with form. So have a different section uh, for each different kind of form of poetry. I, for example, have a whole section of my journal separated out for blackout poetry because it's something I often practice with a copy of the Evening Standard (laughs) on the tube ride home after a day coordinating at City Lit and the other passengers are sitting there often looking. I do notice them looking at me and thinking, what is that woman doing (laughs) with that copy of the Evening Standard? Why is she crossing out all those words? Um, It probably doesn't look like a very sane activity but I gave up worrying too much about how sane I looked a long time ago (laughs) and what I do is I then tear out the page of the newspaper and stick it in my journal for future development. You might also want to keep a section of your journal for writing notes on the feelings that you have about new poems you're working on or on new forms you've discovered, books you've read, talks you've attended, podcasts you've listened to on the subject I also keep a list of writing prompts in my poetry journal in case I'm ever stuck for inspiration. This is quite rare for me because I've prioritised writing and creativity in my life for so long, but it still does happen. And when it does, it's great to have a list of prompts that uh, have spoken to me and they're just waiting for me to engage with them. As you can probably tell from the list I've just given you... (laughs) There are any number of ways of using your poetry journal. You could even use it to catalogue images that prompt poetry from you. There really aren't any limits as this is a personal space. But my biggest tip in making sure the process is beneficial to your craft is to make sure you set yourself some kind of discipline if you're not used to it. The more we practice anything, including writing poetry, the better we are likely to become at it.
we draw episode four to a close, it's time for our monthly writing prompt. And this time I've decided to go for something that not many people who know me would necessarily expect. It's Oscars season, in case you hadn't heard, and last night the Oscars ceremony was beamed out all over the world. Now, I'll be the first to say that I don't think much of the Oscars generally. When I edited a film magazine, we didn't even cover it as a story because I felt it was very superficial and not really what filmmaking is about. That said, there were some unusually interesting moments in this year's ceremony. Not least, Spike Lee's disapproval over his nominated picture Black Klansman, losing out to the white perspective on segregation depicted in the film Green Book. There was also a sweet and moving speech from our very own Olivia Colman, who won Best Actress for her role in The Favourite, and of course there was Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper's performance of the song that Gaga went on to win an Oscar for from the film A Star Is Born. As I found myself uncharacteristically interested in the happenings on the red carpet this year, I thought it would be a good idea to see if we could get some poetry out of the situation. Uh, Here are a few ideas for those people wanting to write a bit of poetry inspired by the Oscars season. You could have a go at writing a poem that is an Oscars acceptance speech, but for doing something most people would consider unremarkable. Might be quite a humorous poem. You could write a poem explaining whether you agree or disagree with Spike Lee's assessment of his loss at the Oscars. Or you could write a poem inspired by the words in Lady Gaga's acceptance speech where she said, it doesn't matter how many times you fall down, it's about how many times you stand up. Pretty inspiring words by all counts. If you write something inspired by these prompts, please share a few lines with us on social media using the hashtag poetrygram04 so we can find your work. If you'd like a free ebook detailing tips on keeping your own poetry journal, visit helencoxbooks.com forward slash resources for poets to download a copy. for today's show. I've been Helen Cox and this is me saying green grow the rashes oh green grow the rashes oh the sweetest hours that I ever spent are spent among the lasses oh